It's a good song, but there's mm-hmm. not a lot out there of interpretation about it. No. And, uh, frankly, Kate mostly just repeats the same words as Peter mm-hmm. or screeches. So. Yeah. I mean, it, it, and it's all to great effect. Mm-hmm. But there's only so much analysis we can do of the different ways in which she screeches. Welcome to Strange Phenomena, Music of Kate Bush. I am Cecily Link, and this week we're going to be talking about the first of three songs that Kate Bush got to sing background vocals on during the Never Forever sessions, and that is Peter Gabriel's I Don't Remember. about the song this week is go ahead and introduce yourself unless you don't remember i i don't recall my name but i know you know your name i have no memory of anything at all oh well okay at any rate since he can't remember his name this is my husband andrew link resident peter gabriel fan yes yes resident uh, peter gabriel fan and uh, default guest <laughs> not well, after the first season, yeah, not my not my <laughs> default guest, but yes, well, my <laughs> default guest, I mean. Hello, listeners. If any of you would like the chance to be on a podcast, you are more than welcome to apply to be on Strange Phenomenon, the music of Kate Bush, and you will always have priority over me. <laughs> but anyway, we're here to talk about a song called "I Don't Remember." I don't recall us planning this. <laughs> well, this was kind of put. Like, right before we started recording, I did add some more notes. <laughs> Cause Which I is why I have no memory of notes. any of these notes at all. Because <laughs> they didn't exist. So... It's okay. I just won't read them and we'll pretend that it's done. It will, will it'll <laughs> actually be dumb for this episode instead of just doing my usual playing dumb so that the host oh. can <laughs> have a good banter. So the reason we're talking about a Peter Gabriel song here on a Kate Bush podcast is because the lovely Kate Bush contributed her background vocals to this song. This is the first of three songs that Kate Bush contributed to Peter Gabriel's album, Melt, which was released on May 22nd, 1980. This was not a single, but it was performed by them, and we'll get to it later. It was performed live by Peter and Kate for her... A special Bill Duffield tribute concert from her tour of life in 1979. But this is really more of a Peter Gabriel song. Like the other two songs we're going to talk about for this season, this is more of a Peter Gabriel song, but 
Kate Bush sings some background vocals on it. So we're going to talk about she it. She sings background vocals! And I had a hard time. Now, I had a hard time discerning where her vocals were. Usually I can tell Kate Bush within a note. Yeah, it's so distorted that you have to really, really listen for it. Preferably turn up the the song as loud as you possibly can in the car while the guy next to you in traffic is bumping rap music. But Kate contributes backing vocals in the chorus. It's most audible in the live version that I will... We'll be talking about later in the episode and also during the instrumental breaks as you so lovingly demonstrated. Where you can't even really tell that it's her, except if you really, really listen for it. So that's why we're talking about a Peter Gabriel song here on A.K. Bush Podcast. Um, this is actually the first of the first of his songs that she has sung on. Because we did, you and I did talk about Another Day, but that was not written by either one of them. That was a cover of a Roy Harper song. This is the first of his own songs that Kate Bush has lent her lovely vocals to. This song is very heavily processed. And we were talking about Kate's vocals being so unrecognizable to me because they were so distorted. Yes, sir. You have your hand up. I have a question. Um, yes. I'm just looking at the track listing. Yeah. And she's on No Self-Control, isn't mm-hmm. she? Was that yep. recorded after this? Because it's earlier on the album. I'm not sure. I haven't found any indication as to what which one was recorded first. But okay, I'm, I'm not this trying one... to be pedantic. I was just curious. Well, actually, this one actually is a good question because this one I I put first because they sang together some version of it before No Self Control. Oh, that's right. The, 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 mm-hmm. that live performance. That at the live Benefit performance concert. at the... the Benefit concert. Oh, I'd forgotten about that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so at that point, that song obviously had already been written, and it sounds similar to this album version, just without all the extra distortion that really you can only do when you're fiddling fiddling with the knobs, Mm -hmm. if you will. Um, But this song is very heavily processed, especially at the end where the music starts to slow down and it gets distorted further over some barely audible whispering by Gabriel. An interesting little thing for, for me because I'm a like a sound nerd. Throughout the song, his vocals are very tinny. It sounds like he it's being recorded through a telephone. And the reason it sounds so tinny is because when they EQ'd or equalized his vocals, they took out the bass in the mid-range. And so they upped the, the higher ends of his voice. And when you do that, when you're recording music or when you're recording any instrument, whether it's your voice or a guitar or piano, if you go into whatever digital audio workstation you're working in, in my case, it's Logic, if you go to equalize that instrument and you bring up all the higher frequencies, then it's going to sound really tinny because you've taken out any of the bottom end and the middle range. So all you have is is the really high stuff. Because typically at least when you when you when people speak for example, you have a mixture of higher higher bass and mid-range frequencies 
And I know for me as a woman, I kind of sit more in the mid-range to, to slide up a range. You, being a dude... <laughs> Speak very low in the deepest range possible. You've got much more bass than I do. Yes, I do, especially in the raspy bass. But if you take it, but if you up the the higher frequencies, it sounds all tinny. And so that's why Peter's vocals sound the way they do. Now, what they did to Kate, I don't know, because really her vocals sound, they sound like guitars. And I'll admit, when I first heard this song on uh, the Shaking the Tree, which was one of his greatest hits compilations, I didn't know it was her. I assumed it was a guitar. And then later I found out that she sang backing vocals for I Don't Remember, and I had a real hard time picking it out because they distorted her voice so much that it really sounds like a guitar. So mm-hmm. she sounds like her voice. Like the way she uses her voice in her own music, she's using her her voice as an instrument for for conveying emotions or like in the case, like, like violin earlier this season, she's making her voice sound like a really screechy violin. And I don't mean screechy as in like, oh, she sounds screechy, but no, that's the effect. She's going for that like really high pitched violin sort of sound. And on this song especially, she she sounds like a guitar, really, when she's singing it. So you can't even tell what she's singing. But in the live version at her uh, benefit concert where she sang this song with Peter Gabriel, she is actually singing words and you can actually hear more of what she's singing. She's singing some extremely high harmonies with Peter on the chorus. What I find really cool about this song is that um, that Peter wrote it using a new approach rather than sitting at the piano, like, say, I do. <laughs> I sit at the piano and I play some chords and it's I come up with something that's just piano and voice. He programmed a drum machine, which was new at the time. Remember, this is 19, 1980. So drum machines were still pretty new. And he built the chords and the melody around the rhythm. And that's something that will definitely come up for the dreaming. Where I can see, listening to this song and then the dreaming songs, I can see where Kate Bush was had, was hanging out with Peter Gabriel, but not copying him. I feel like she went, oh, he's got this really new approach to his music where he's using the rhythm first rather than playing piano and coming up with chords and a melody that way. He's going rhythm first. Oh, hey, I want to try something like that and do my own thing with it. I don't know. When I'm, I'm, I'm bouncing around kind of looking at different interpretations people have had of the song. Yeah, because what it's about... Like, I've always thought that this was about a political prisoner. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got no means to show identification. I got no papers show to show you what I am. That, that's a possibility. An empty stomach, empty bed. Like somebody who's just been thrown in jail for whatever weird, whatever piddly reason. This is from Song Facts. As far as an interpretation of this song, um, this song is about a man with amnesia being asked a bunch of questions. 
Gabriel had an interest in psychiatry and explored the topic on this album. In a 1980 interview with Sounds magazine, he called himself, quote, a purveyor of amateur psychiatric cliches, adding, quote, the only way I can make it work is compare my own experience with the theories. It's no wonder Peter Gabriel and Kate Bush got along so well together. Kate loves to delve into human communication and human, basic human psychology in her songs. I mean, if it weren't for her becoming a singer, she was considering becoming a psychologist. And I can totally see that. Because in all of her songs, she's using stories and other people to convey human nature, really. And human communication. And like, why, why do we have such trouble... Uh, conversing with each other sometimes. Let's see, running up that hill or love and anger and and also using other people for expressing her own political thoughts. I mean, army dreamers, anybody? When we we talked about that song. So it's no wonder that she, um, she was drawn to him. And especially with Peter writing about not like, oh yeah, I'm in love with this girl and she doesn't love me kind of stuff. Like he was, he was starting to write about human psychology and why people act the way they do, and it's and especially with him saying that that he the only way I can make it work is compare my own experiences with the theories, and that this whole album is supposed to be him delving into psychiatry. That makes sense on something like No Self Control or even the the opener Intruder, mm-hmm. where he's telling a story from the point of view of a burglar who's watching somebody like he's like putting himself in the place of this burglar and wondering what is it like to be this person that's just watching you as you're going about your business and waiting for you to leave so he can steal the jewels. Mm-hmm. And then on this, it feels like it feels like somebody who yes, has amnesia, but I'm thinking that it's, it's, I feel like it's about a political prisoner and they've been through such torture psychologically that they really don't remember who they are and what or what's even going on i'm not going to necessarily disagree with that it it definitely fits some of the imagery and it might also fit the time later on in that album the last track biko Mm -hmm. is all about a political prisoner in south africa yeah it, it definitely fits the time uh this is also from the 1980s in britain and uh, that was a very contentious time. If you if you look back, I, I am not British. I only know yeah. this through literature. But if if you go if you look at the impact that the seventies and eighties had on British literature, it mm-hmm. it definitely could be referring to the political situation of the time. Um, if you look at comics from the eighties, this is when you start seeing Alan Moore emerging as one of the major, uh, comic writers of the time, uh, doing a lot of work, uh, in underground comics, uh, and, uh, later moving into working for the bigger companies. Uh, and a lot of the comics that Alan Moore was creating had political undertones that, uh, were... We're, we're questioning what he and Neil Gaiman and a lot of other uh, comic artists at the time thought was sort of the, the, the fascist direction that the government was taking. 
that they they didn't like the control that was being established supposedly to protect England. Mm -hmm. Um, So I could see Peter Gabriel playing with this idea. I am personally also a little bit of a fan of the theory uh, that like uh, Salisbury Hill, (laughs) this might be using that kind of political prisoner metaphor to also maybe express some of his feelings about going out on his own. I mean, this is his third solo album, so... Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily new to him, but there's still a lot that he's probably working through. Um, Whether that's true or not, who knows? Yeah. But I like that theory in part because this uses a drum machine. And what did he lose when he left Genesis? (laughs) Oh, he left his friend Phil Collins. He left one of the greatest drummers of history when he left Genesis. So... Okay. Lots of different possibilities. Lots, yeah, there. My, lots of possibilities. I, I, my pet theory goes along with this being a, a metaphor for him, you know, working on his own. Mm-hmm. But and as for Kate's contribution to this, I mean, <laughs> it's, she's frankly just background noise. <laughs> emphasis <laughs> like, literally, on the noise. <laughs> emphasis on noise. Like her, her voice is distorted to the point that you can't really tell that it's her, and that she really, really listens. <laughs> But then on the, the live version of her singing this with Peter for the Bill Duffield tribute it's show. still pretty it's, intensely distorted for that. But it, I, I mean, that she's, she's singing, she's doubling him, actually. she He's singing in it, I don't remember, I don't recall. And he, she's singing in an octave above. At least. Like, really wailing up there. Because she's still, at, at this point, 1979, 80, She's still in her very high soprano phase before her voice became more muscular and deeper for the dreaming in her subsequent albums. But she's doubling up there and she's really wailing up there with him. And I, I would say wailing even if it were a dude singing up there because it, it is high. <laughs> but on that version, which is a bootleg, of course, it was never officially released. Hi, you got all the bootlegs. She's singing along with him on the chorus and actually singing... Like the word, same words he is, but she's just doubled up an octave higher than him. Uh, let's see. I mean, do do we even have lyrics of what Kate is saying, or is she just saying the same lines as him slash heavily distorted randomness? I, in in I, the I live version, it. yeah, in the live version, she's singing the same the chorus lyrics with him. Okay. But then anything during the instrumental breaks. I think in the live version she does she does do a like background I don't remember but that's about it. Like she she's just contributing backgrounds basically.
for her heavily distorted vocals on the album version. Who knows what she's saying? <laughs> I'm singing like a guitar. The only time they've ever performed this song together was for that benefit concert. And as we kind of talked about in the Another Day episode, which was the first time that Peter and Kate were seen singing together on anything, really. Just wasn't a song that either of them wrote. That Bill Duffield, as you'll remember, he was the lighting engineer for Kate's tour. He fell through a trap door while doing what would be called the idiot check. At the end of the rehearsal, fell through a trapdoor, fell to his death to a concrete floor, and she was Kate was so upset that she considered canceling the tour, but she didn't, thank goodness. And but halfway through her tour in May of '79, she got together with Peter and Steve Harley from Cockney Rebel. They got together for a special benefit concert at the Hammersmith Odeon to uh, raise money for his family, for Bill Duffield's family. And it was not just her show, but then during the second act, she came out and sang I Don't Remember with with Peter. Peter sang with her on a version of The Man with the Child in His Eyes, which I talked about in the Man with the Child in His Eyes episode. Again, another bootleg. Um, they did Let It Be and I think one other song and then it went back to her show. But they came out together and they just, they knew each other from musician circles because they all, and they also shared the same, uh, some of the same producers and the same lighting engineer. So that's how they all got brought together because they both knew Bill Duffield. And she sang background vocals on I Don't Remember for that live version, which you can hear right here. You can take a listen. Yay, bootleg! Yay, YouTube! Oh, my God. 
sung this song together so i think we pretty much covered everything honestly i think we have because i mean it's a good song but there's Mm -hmm. not a lot out there of interpretation about it no and uh frankly kate mostly just repeats the same words as peter Mm -hmm. or screeches so 
Yeah. I mean, and it's all to great effect. Mm -hmm. But there's only so much analysis we can do of the different ways in which she screeches. Or, yeah, just sings up real high. And also, this is more of a Peter Gabriel song, too, so she just does the background vocals. Mm -hmm. So, I think we pretty much covered, I think we've covered everything on this song. At least of what I can recall. Then again, I have really don't have much of a memory of anything at all. I don't all. remember us working on this at all. Do we need to re-record this? No, we don't, because actually we're still running. Oh, good. Yes. So okay. we actually, yeah, we don't need to, even though neither of us can remember starting this recall. episode. Because I have no memory of anything at all. Seriously. For real. So next week we'll be talking about another Peter Gabriel song that Kate sang on. And that is No Self-Control. And as always, with everybody listening, if there's a Kate Bush song that you want to talk about and we haven't gotten to it yet, I am looking for people to talk about dreaming songs. Most of them are full, but I can always use another person to talk about Sat in Your Lap or any of the other songs from the dreaming or can always have more than one guest on a show yeah we can always i love having multiple points of view on a show for example later in the hounds of love season i have two people two opposing points of view for the morning fog the last song from that album so if you also love the dreaming as much as i do and you want to talk about a song from the dreaming let me know or if you have a later there's a later song say from the sensual world or, hell, if you want to defend the red shoes for me, please let me know. Especially on that one. <laughs> um, you can find me either on Twitter at StrangeKateCast, on Facebook, facebook.com slash KateBushPodcast, and on the web, kbcast.linkmedia.com. That's link with an E. And you can email me, kbcast at linkmedia.com. Again, link with an E. And so we'll see everybody next week for... No self-control. No self-control. Which is another Peter Gabriel song that you and I will be talking about. Yay. I, 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 I can't even contain myself. I'm so excited. <laughs> I know. You, you really, you are like, have definitely no self-control right now. None whatsoever. Anyway. Yeah, I know. All right. So we'll see everybody next week. Yay. Goodbye. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. 
Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.